This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw show. We are live from 5:30 until 10, Monday through Friday, on the official home of your favorite team, the Chicago Cubs on. 670 the score and as always i'm joined by my buddy crowley crowley good morning how are you i am in pain but you can follow me at crowley's cubs on twitter you can follow us on twitter and instagram at fly the w670 facebook at fly the w and uh, our email account fly the w670 at gmail.com so we've reached uh, episode number 21 crowley in season one and we're calling this one uh trade deadline confusion what exactly what are we calling this one again how, how did how did you describe it for us a trade deadline stunner 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 is a great word for it crawley it was a stunner we're going to get into that in segment two of the podcast but uh maybe not a stunner to all listening but uh disappointment for sure as the cubs unable to fly a w in boring old st louis after they were swept by the Cardinals. So let's uh, let's take the listeners through it. Game one did happen. Uh, last time we talked, that game was on Thursday, I believe, right? No, what day, what day of the week? I'm in Canada, Crowley, so my days are my days are all screwed up. So today is actually, hold on. So today is Friday. They played two games on Thursday. They didn't play Wednesday. So game one of this thing was on Tuesday on trade deadline day. That was game one of Cubs Cardinals down in boring old St. Louis. Yeah, we talked about how we wanted Keegan Thompson to have a good start. Unfortunately, he didn't. He faced off against the wily old veteran, Adam Wainwright, who just does what he does. Uh, nothing going on until the bottom of the third. Tommy Edmund singles. Dylan Carlson pops out. Nolan Gorman hits a ground rule double to left center. So you got runners at second and third for Paul Goldschmidt. Never a good situation. He has a single up the middle, and the Cubs are down to nothing. You get to the bottom of the fifth. Tommy Edmond walks, Dylan Carlson homers, so now the Cubs are down for nothing. Nolan Gorman will ground out, Paul Goldschmidt homers, so that's 5 nothing. Uh, Arenado single, singles, Paul DeYoung lines out to second. Lars Newtbar singles, Arenado gets to second, and then Michael Rucker will replace Keegan, and his day is done. But those five runs are charged to uh, Keegan. 
Yep, you couldn't blame the defense uh, behind him on that one. The other question I have, Crawley, in, in two times, not once but twice in your early descriptions of how the Cardinals got their runs, the, the common theme, of course, was Paul Goldschmidt, and then Paul Goldschmidt, and then Paul Gold. Like, at some point, like, do you have to pitch to that guy? Is he, he's, he's to the point, as far as a Cub killer, you just want to be like, here, here's four. Just go take your base. Go stand over there. Um, I know that we both have agreed that we want to see the young guys learn something, but do they also need to learn that they're going to get their brains beat in continually by <laughs> Paul Goldschmidt? Um, you know, that that's just the... Eh, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but we now know that these games are absolutely meaningless, so just let them pitch. Let them learn the hard way, I think, would be the way to go with it. Like, if you're sitting there and you're telling me we're about four games out of a wild card spot... Yeah, you better walk that guy, and you can't stand. You can't lose. It doesn't matter anymore. It's all about development. So, let him pitch. Yeah, but as you said, you were hurting this morning, Crowley, and uh, I was hurting as a Cub <laughs> fan after Paul Goldschmidt took his bat out and beat the Cubs upside the head with it all 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 week long so far. Yeah. All right, so we, you know, we've got the, uh, the bullpen. One, the bullpen's in the game. <laughs> With this one right here, though, you know, at the bottom of the seventh, Nolan Arenado homers off Anderson Espinosa, who was called up. So that's how it finishes, 6 nothing. But Keegan Thompson was 4.2 innings pitched, 10 hits, gave up five runs, two walks, one K only, and two home runs. Uh, the Cubs only had seven hits, nine total bases, seven left on base, so they couldn't bring anyone home. 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position. Good news is Wilson Contreras, who is a Cub, uh, went one for two with the triple. Jan Gomes had a good game, two for three. On the flip side, the ageless wonder Adam Wainwright went seven innings pitch, six hits, zero runs, four Ks. Cardinals had 11 hits, 21 total bases, five left on base. The runners in scoring position, one for four. But, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter when you're hitting homers. You had Goldschmidt, Arenado, uh, Carlson hitting homers. And then Goldschmidt, two for three with three RBIs. Just ridiculous. Lars Newtbar had a big series, three for three with a walk. Got to love that name, Lars Newtbar. But uh, one of the stats, Crowley, reading the game recap the next day is that I found amazing, and it, it kind of ties into Wilson Contreras, is that uh, Wainwright and Molina became the second longest tenured battery mates in MLB history. They've, they've had more games together than any other combo, except somebody up in Detroit with the Tigers back way before probably anybody even listening to this was even born or paying attention. Um, so I found that stat very, very interesting. How many times those two guys have uh, gotten together for the Cardinals in a uh, battery duel. Well, it's interesting too, in the fact that this is the odd years last year and you could tell, I mean, he's kind of, he's not the same hitter. He's definitely not the same defensively, which was always his huge values. He can still call a good game, but you know that this is it for, uh, Yadier Molina, but Wainwright just keeps going, man. You just wonder how much longer this guy can keep doing this. Right. Pretty, pretty amazing. And it looks like the Cardinals are uh, on their way to a uh, postseason as they're closing in on the uh, top spot. In that division, you're probably going to have to win this division in order to get to the postseason, even with the added uh, wild card team. So that took us, that was Tuesday. So that was the uh, trade deadline day. We're going to get into the trade deadline much more specifically in the second segment of the podcast. So we get to Wednesday and we've got a little weather issue down in St. Louis and uh, we had a washout. Yeah, I feel bad for all those Cub fans stuck in St. Louis with nothing to do. So we get to a doubleheader. Let's play two. This was deja vu. These both games were just 
eerily bad. And, uh, you know, they got swept in the doubleheader, which led to a sweep in the series. You know, you, you sit there and we talked about Marcus Stroman and, and game two saw Stroman versus Miles Michaelis. And in all in all, you know, Stroman pitched a really good game, but, you know, it wasn't enough. In the top of the first, Wilson Contreras, you think he's feeling good about staying with the Cubs? He hits a home run 407 feet to center, and you just saw in the body language and his expression and, and the production on the field, the guy's had his back in it. Yeah, that was a wonderful thing to see, and that home run would stick for quite a while. Was uh, had the game up on my app all the way up here in Canada. Was listening to Pat and Ron and Zach on that one, and uh, looked like uh, looked like the Cubs were in good shape because Marcus Stroman was dealing and uh, had his mechanics and was trusting everything he was throwing. Yeah, yeah. Get to the top of the six, and Wilson doubles, uh, and then uh, Hap strikes out, but Seiya Suzuki singles. The Cubs are up two nothing. Nico singles, you got runners at the corners, and that was a good thing. You saw Nico kind of start to break out of that awful slump he had in San Francisco. Wisdom hit a sack fly, good at bat. So the Cubs lead 3-0, they're doing everything right. As you said, uh, Stroman is dealing. You know, they're, they're, they were making contact to get that runner in to get, you know, add an extra run. But then you get to the top of the seventh. With one out, Bodie singles, Rafael Ortega singles, you got Cubs at the corner with one out, and Miles Michaelis is pulled. It wasn't Michaelis' best game. Cubs did pretty decent against him. Wilson grounds right back to the pitcher. Bodie with the old contact play out at home. Ortega to third, Wilson to second for Ian Happ. A single brings in two more runs. He grounds out to end the threat. And so in the bottom of the seventh, like you said, Marcus Stroman at this point was cruising. The Cardinals only had two hits, both of them from Brendan Donovan. Not Goldschmidt, not Arenado, nobody. Brendan Donovan. All right, so you're looking good, but Nolan Gorman leads off the inning, home run. Cubs lead three to nothing. And, you know, I know David Ross uh, probably said, we, and you and I have talked, we wanted to see Stroman go deeper into games. This is the deepest he's gone. Um, but, you know, it's a hot day, and, and, all of his, and, and he was cramping up. He, he had the trainer come out, I want to say, in the fourth or fifth. And so I was just shocked that nobody was up in the bullpen. Not, not saying you got to be like, you know, hurrying it up, but not having, you know, get someone a little bit to toss some, you know, get warmed up a little bit. Um, right. but, the only thing I could figure in that situation, Crawley, was that it, the, the doubleheader part, right? That was maybe the only reason why. But still, um, you got the expanded roster, so you brought up another pitcher for the game. Um, I agree. I, I think that was that, that's something that you could definitely second-guess David Ross on. So Nolan Gorman leads off the inning with the home run. The Cubs lead is three to one. The next batter, Paul Goldschmidt homers, and now it's three to two. Oh God. Paul Goldschmidt. Right. And and I don't know what would have happened, but but after that, Nar Nolan Arenado doubles. DeYoung flies out. So Arenado tags up, goes to third. Lars Newtbar again, uh, a sack fly, and the game is tied at three. So it was just all of a sudden things are going great, and the bottom falls out. Yeah, I knew at that point. I knew when it was three three that the Cubs had no chance. I, I knew that that was the the end. The end of that did not have any confidence whatsoever that the Cubs would end up uh, pulling that one out. And uh, Crowley, they didn't tell us how this one uh, this one would wrap. Well. When we talk about the trade deadline, we're going to talk about that they traded the back half of their bullpen. So now it's all of a sudden, it, it's welcome to being a closer. And so spin the wheel, see what you got. Eric 
Ullman is going to be in the game and Paul Goldschmidt will ground out. Look at that. But then back-to-back -back walks to Nolan Arenado and Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung of the 132 batting average. I banged my head when that happened. And then Lars Newtbar with the walk-off single and the Cubs lose a heartbreaker 4-3. to three. That was the chance, Crowley. That was the chance for the Cubs and for us and for the listeners of this uh, podcast, the Fly the W, to have that moment, especially after, like you had mentioned, the Cubs fans that took the trip down to boring old St. Louis had to uh, sit around and drink Bud Lights all afternoon when their game got rained out on Wednesday. And, and crappy pizza. that It's basically crackers with tomato sauce on it. But uh, <laughs> you're looking at Marcus Stroman, and great line, 6.2 innings pitched, five hits, three runs, three earned, zero walks, six Ks. Out of the five hits he gave up, three of them were in the seventh, two homers and the double to Arenado. So the Cubs had nine hits, 14 total bases, eight left on base, one for six with runners in scoring position. Ortega had a good game, three for five with a double. Contreras, two for five with a double and a homer. Horner went two for four, like I said, kind of starting to come out of it. But for Cardinal, for the Cardinals, uh, Michaelis, like I said, not that great. 6.1 innings pitch, eight hits, three runs, zero walks, six Ks. So they look good, but Brendan Donovan was three for three, and you had those homers from Nolan Gorman and Goldschmidt that really changed the outcome of that game. So we move over to game two of the doubleheader. That was a day-night doubleheader, so a uh, 6.45, I believe, uh, I believe start for that one, or at least the pregame was on at 6.45. First pitch was a little after 7 o'clock, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. And the, the Cubs had an uh, odd choice. It was the old TBD as we had wrapped up the uh, last podcast. Obviously, the trade deadline was approaching, so maybe that was part of why it was TBD. But uh, interesting choice. As far as a, uh, I don't know if you even call it a starter, Crowley, more of an opener, if you will. An opener, Sean Newcomb up from Iowa. And the Cardinals made some trades in the trade deadline. Not the big one we were thinking, but they got Jose Quintana. And I thought of you instantly, Dustin. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, shook, I, shook, I shook my head and I could only hope uh, that this goes as poorly uh, for Jose uh, down south as it did uh, for him as a Cub. And what, you know, again, he wasn't as bad as, as I would like to say, it's it just, it was, he wasn't, he was barely good. He was average at best. And it just all goes back to what they gave up to get him. He was a four or five and you needed him to be a two. Yep. That's exactly. That's, that's, that's the best way to look at it. Right. And, and they gave up, they gave up, you know, they gave up a, an arguably a two, if not an ACE and an everyday player for a guy that just did not deliver. Nope, but he delivered for the Cardinals, and you knew that was going to happen. Top of the first two outs, just like in the first game of the doubleheader, a solo home run. This time, Patrick Wisdom is 20th. Comes out to an early one nothing lead. That is very short-lived. In the bottom of the first two outs, Paul Goldschmidt singles. And this is why sometimes you got to pitch to Arenado, because Nolan Arenado's right behind him, and he homers. And Nolan Arenado had a good series, too, so... Now you're down two to one, and you have a pitcher's duel the rest of the way. The Cubs' bullpen was doing pretty good. You get to the top of the seventh. Jordan Hicks pitching. Patrick Wisdom walks. A wild pitch moves him to second. Sayo walks. Neil, Nico grounds out, so Suzuki's out at second. But you have runners at the corners, one out. Nico steals second. You have runners at second and third with only one out. Nelson Velasquez hits a ball that goes off Hicks' glove uh, and that kind of bounces to Paul DeYoung. He double clutches, and everybody's safe. Wilston scores. Cubs tied it, too. 
And, and so now you have runners at uh, first and second with one out. Schwindel hits into an inning-ending double play. It was a nice play by Arenado, who was running, got the ball. Really nice play. Yep. Yeah, he, he tagged uh, Nico and threw it to first. But, uh, the, 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 again, once again, you had a chance to kind of get some runs, get some momentum. It doesn't happen. And then the next half of the inning, the Cardinals come in. Curvin Castro comes into the game. So you're going to see a lot of new names. Cubs picked him up on the waiver wire from San Fran. Tommy, Tommy Edmond singles, steals second, Goldschmidt walks. Shockingly, Arenado grounds into a double play, and you're, you know, Edmond goes to third, and you're thinking maybe they get out of it. But then he walks Nolan Gorman, and then Tyler O'Neill home run, homers, and the Cubs trail 5-2. to two. The uh, Cardinals will add at the bottom of the eighth with one out, Lars Newtbar. Walks Dylan Carlson doubles Tommy Edmond doubles and the Cubs trail seven to two. But again, a close game until the seventh. It ends seven to two. But uh, that that'll complete the sweep for uh, Sean Newcomb. Three innings pitch, five hits, two runs, one homer. Uh, but the Cubs offense: two hits, five total bases, three left on base, one for five with runners in scoring position. Wisdom one for two with the homer, and Nelson Velasquez one for two with the walk. For the Cardinals, Jose Quintana, six innings pitch, one hit, one run, two walks, seven Ks. They were that's 10. A, <laughs> that's a nice line, Crowley. That's a nice line. You'd love, we'd love to have a Cub pitcher with a line like that. Crowley, did you also notice, and I know you did, but um, did you notice who was playing uh, second base last night in the, in the second half of that doubleheader and batting ninth for the Cubs? Yeah, we, uh, you know, you know, it's, I'm just looking at the lineup and kind of just saying to myself, this is, I have some thoughts on some of this stuff going on really quick here, but Nick magical, Nicky, two strikes back. And, uh, you know, he's got his bobblehead day coming up. So how exciting. Keep it. You can keep it. And again, another, another strikeout. I mean, this guy is going to have, this guy is going to have like a record year for him as far as strikeout rate and the whole the whole selling point on this guy is the guy all never strikes out he's always putting the bat on the ball yada 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 i mean i'm quoting theo again offense is broke the offense right now is absolutely broke crawley and 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 the the one hope that cubs had is that we would have a uh big trade deadline and and instead we had the stunner that we did you're listening to the Fly the W podcast. This is season one. Believe it or not, we are already at the 21st edition of this thing. And the trade deadline, Crowley, has come and went. And in the shocking news, kept hitting refresh on Twitter. I was looking at you, looking all over the place. Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras are still Chicago Cubs. All the emotions, all the tears, all the hat taps, all, 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 all of it was for naught. And this was painful. This was painful. So we get to the trade deadline and it's, you know, we, we talked about that first trade in the last podcast, the Cubs acquired Zach McKinstry from the Dodgers for Chris Martin. He's 27 years old. So a few years younger than some of the old guys they got in the infield, the 30, 31 year olds, he can play both corner outfield spots, shortstop, second and third base. He's one of only three left-handed bats on the Cubs roster. So that's kind of good. Um, in AAA, he batted 335 with nine doubles, four triples, four home runs, 25 RBIs, and 27 walks. Chris Martin's a 36-year-old reliever with a 432 ERA. So I thought the Cubs made out pretty good on that trade. 
Yeah, I mean, they needed another left-handed bat. Why not? It's and it's a it's a guy that's nine years younger, basically six, eight years younger. Um, can play a lot of different roles. He's not going to win you a division or anything like that. But they definitely needed the left-handed bat. Absolutely. July 31st, just a minor deal. They traded infielder Dixon Machado, who's kind of been a journeyman minor inter- infielder to the Giants for Reynal Espinal, who's also 30 years old and a journeyman pitcher. So it didn't really matter that much. But August 1st is when it really starts kicking. And, and a shocker, David Ross's blankie, Scott Efros, is traded to the New York Yankees for Hayden Wesnitsky. This one excites me, Dustin. This is good. Yeah, the, the quick reading that I had done on this is that uh, some people think that this is a very solid number three, worst case, number four guy in a rotation. So um, the Yankees seem to know what they're doing when they're, it comes to scouting and drafting. So, yeah, absolutely. This is something that uh, this is something right now that uh, Cub fans have to look forward to. And I'm very curious when we'll see him make his uh, his Cubs debut. Well, with Efros, he's a guy that was interesting. He's 28 and he's still in his pre-arbitration years. But if you're not competitive, there's no point in having a good bullpen if you're not going to win. If you're 20 games under 500, you don't need anybody closing things out, although it hurt us again in the Cardinals series. But Efros, they they changed him to that sidearm delivery. And that's what you're seeing is that the Cubs are developing these relief pitchers. And so they're not worried about it. Uh, so Efros goes to the Yankees. This is going to be one of those trades I think that works out for both teams. There is no loser in this one. He's 266 ERA, 50 strikeouts versus 11 walks, but he had 47 appearance. This is tied for second in the major. So uh, he definitely was someone that Ross leaned on. But Wesneski is a 24 year old right fielder. He was ranked number seven in the New York uh, Yankees system, according to MLB Pipeline. Uh, Baseball America had him pegged at number four. And so he's just someone, he worked with the assistant pitching coach, Daniel Moscos, and in 2021, but he features a, a mid-90s four-seam fastball, a two-seamer, change-up, cutter, and a slider. So I'm excited about that one. Another good trade for Jed on that one. Yep. Like I said, I cannot wait to see him in, uh, in the cubby blue and see exactly what they have. So we get to August 2nd. We get to the trade deadline day, and this is it. Refresh, refresh, refresh. Uh, the Phillies get David Robertson. And that's when I started to say, that's a problem. That, that wasn't on the radar. And, and, and that scared me because at that point, it looked like the, you know, the big deal, and we'll talk about this, was with the Mets. And they wanted Robertson. Uh, their GM used to be with the Yankees, and Robertson used to be with the Yankees. And, and, and it, was, it was pretty much written that that's what was going to happen but the Cubs trade him to the Phillies for Ben Brown. So another good trade. Robertson had been a, a, a guy, a one-year deal, 3.5. He became a closer. He did a great job. And then the Cubs got Ben Brown, who's a 22-year-old, uh, 6'6", had a big breakout 22 season, 308 ERA through 73. He strikes out 35% of his opponents against a 7.7 walk rate. So Baseball America ranked him as the seventh prospect in the Philadelphia system. He's got a plus fastball slider combination, uh, but, you know, has some control issues and let's see if the Cubs can iron them out, but definitely kind of seems like he could be a bullpen guy or a starter who knows, but another good deal for, for, again, for Robertson, you take that any day of the week. Absolutely. 22 years old, um, you know, strikes out more than he walks, can develop him. You don't know exactly what his role is, but you just knew that there was no reason to have a David Robertson around at this point. 
Then at the we're waiting for the deadline to, to come and go. And what happens? We have the last trade that the Cubs make is a disappointing one. Michael Gibbons for Saul Gonzalez with the Mets. Gonzalez is two and one with the 281 ERA, one save, 14 games. Uh, he's in single A, St. Louis. So he's not coming around for a while. Uh, he looks he looks fine. Uh, right-handers hit 222 against him. Uh, he, you know, six foot nine. You know, he's 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 a big. Or I'm sorry, six foot six inches, big kid. You know, so looks great. Givens 32. You get, you know, six and two with six holds, 266 ERA, although he gave up a bunch of runs for the Mets, which I say good uh, in his first appearance with the Mets. But that's not what we were expecting as far as deals with the Mets. The biggest news is Wilson Contreras does not get traded. Ian Happ, you can say at, at a secondary level, you knew that if you didn't like what you had with Happ, you could at least, you know, you have another year of control, not a big deal. But the fact that you couldn't trade Wilson Contreras, one of the premier bats in free agency, was just stunning. Well, let, let's see now. Let, let's see what the market is for Wilson Contreras. The, I, I was surprised by this. I also saw a stat, Crowley, that he only had in the month of July, was, am I right on this, five extra base hits in the entire month of July? And I don't know if he was just pressing because this was looming. So maybe maybe the market wasn't as great as we thought. Maybe there isn't a market for him. Maybe the fact that he's getting closer to 30 and plays catcher isn't something that uh, other teams are looking for. And maybe the Cubs think, maybe the Cubs think that they can sign this guy back at the hometown discount, like force his hand. How badly? Let's see if he's being honest. Again, you, you don't want to you don't want to jerk him around or anything like that, but let's see how bad he wants to remain a cub. Maybe he would sign for $90 million over five years instead of a hundred million dollars and or something, something like that. So I, let's I, see. I, if you don't get any, listen, I get it. You know, if you end up not getting anything for him, it's a disaster. It's a disaster. And what will be interesting over the next couple of weeks, Crowley is we'll start hearing some of the rumors, right? Some of the news will start leaking out about what was close, what almost happened, the old coulda, shoulda, woulda, and that will, um, you know, either make us happy or sad. Well, here's what happens, right? A, number one, and Brett, Nation, Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation, we talked about this in the last episode, is, is I mentioned, is his trade value going to be diminished because his July was just awful? But he was clearly pressing, and Wilson has enough of a track record. And what happens when this is all over? What does he start doing? Hitting triples and home runs and doubles. So he, it was clearly, clearly weighing on him. But the main issue right now is that there were really the you're looking at the Juan Soto 400 million. He doesn't take that contract, and that throws this whole free agency into chaos. And you have three main teams that were in that Juan Soto derby. You got San Diego. St. Louis and kind of always lurking in the weeds as always are the LA Dodgers, right? That have just an endless supply of prospects that they can trade. And so with that Juan Soto sweepstakes, Boston shockingly kind of tapped out. They weren't that far from a wild card spot, but I think they realized they weren't as good, good enough. You know what I mean? So they kind of threw in the white towel on that. The Giants kind of threw things off because they came out to that bad start and they were, they were, people were wondering if they were going to trade Jock Peterson, if they were going to uh, 
uh, trade Carlos Rodon. And so it became a mess. But you're looking here. We, you know, the question was, did you want Juan Soto going to the Cardinals? And, and, and I talked about this before, and it was kind of like part of me was like, if the Cardinals got, and it looked like they were going to get it, they were the primary front runners to get uh, Juan Soto, then the Padres, they were going all in no matter what. They were pushing all their chips in. So if they lost out on Juan Soto, which it looked like they were going to, then the Padres would have gave a huge package to the Cubs and gotten Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. But Correct. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah, Juan Soto fouled this whole thing up. So you have the main two teams that you're looking at are the Giants, or, or I'm sorry, the uh, Padres and the Mets. So you're you're leveraging those two teams against each other if you're Jed Hoyer, but Jed can't do anything because we're, the Padres are in this whole thing. So he's stuck on hold. That keeps everything on hold. And so as this is happening, other trades are going to be mated. Uh, so the Astros needed an offensive catcher. They got former Cubs catcher Mar uh, Martin Maldonado, but their combination of catchers are hitting 126, 210, 224. They needed somebody. So when Boston taps out, they acquire Christian Vasquez, who's a great catcher from the uh, Red Sox. The Yankees, people thought, okay, you, they need some a hitting catcher, but they have no DH spot. And what you really saw are teams are valuing good pitch framing and good pitch calling, which are not Wilson's strong suits. And so Wilson, if he's going to go to the Yankees, he has nowhere to DH because of Stanton and Donaldson. The Padres, their catching combination wasn't anything good. And so, like I said, they were the number one team besides the Mets. I put Mets one, Padres two for Wilson Contreras. And once the Padres make that huge trade, they also got Josh Hader from the Brewers, which is a stunner as well. That just threw everything off. And so now the only team sitting there are the Mets. And so you got Theo at one end and the Mets GM at the other end, and they're, they're seeing who blinks. They're playing a game of chicken. And the Mets were angry about it. So you remember how many Cub fans feel like we got fleeced by the White Sox with the Jose Quintana trade. We talked about that. Thanks, there, Cubs. Yeah, thanks, Cubs. And we always got to hear it. There are so many Mets scouts, front office people feel like Jed Hoyer fleeced them for Javi Baez and Trevor Williams for PCA. Uh, I saw Jim Callis on Marquis the other night say PCA is the best guy in the Cubs system right now. And you, you got him for half a season of – uh, Javi Baez and Trevor Williams. I mean that, so they basically said, we're not, we're not playing this game twice, but that was a shocking move because the Mets needed it. They're catching McCann's injured. He's hitting 227, 293, 41 as a Met. And so they're, 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 they're catching hitters are absolutely garbage. It's the seventh weakest offensive production from a catcher of the Mets. They needed a closer. So we had David Robertson. And so basically Jed said, I know you need these guys. You're going to go for it. And you know what? The Mets said, we're not giving up top prospects. And yeah, they, they were backed into a corner, right? It was game of chicken. Like you said, they were backed into a corner. And now you just got to hope that, uh, that, that Jed can hold on to both these guys. And again, you know, maybe, maybe Hap's a guy that gets traded during the, uh, during the off season. Let's see how, let's see how both of these guys settle in now that they know they're going to be Cubs the rest of the way. You're listening to the fly, the W six seventy podcast. This is season one. It's episode number 21. We've been discussing 
the trade deadline and getting swept by the Cardinals. But now the Cubs return back to beautiful Wrigley Field and they welcome in the Marlinas, that is the Miami Marlins, if you're not speaking my nickname language there. And so it's Friday, Crowley, Friday morning when we're recording this thing and the Marlins are in town. The Cubs are back at home. We've got a uh, afternoon game out at the friendly confines between the Cubs and the Fish. How about three 120 games? Uh, Three-day games, as God intended. Marlins come into town 48-57. and 57. They're fourth place in the NL East, 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The Cubs are 41-63, and 63, 18 games under 500. Uh, they're in last place in the Central now, 4-6 and six in their last 10. So, uh, boy, there's really not much to be – I'm not going to lie. There's not much to be excited about when it comes to this. Uh, when we take a look at the probable starters, uh, you have game one. You have, uh, you have, uh, what is it? We got um, Justin Steele versus TBD. So, you know, we don't have a starter yet, but we do have Justin Steele going. And Justin Steele, if you remember from his last game in San Francisco, uh, struggled, but there was also a lot of bad defense. He only went 3.2 innings in that game. He didn't give up any earned runs, but as far as runs, uh, there was about what four runs. I want to say that he gave up in that game against San Francisco. So none of them, none of them were earned. So let's see how Justin uh, bounces back in this game. There really isn't any, uh, none of these guys have seen each other very much as far as the Marlins or the Cubs haven't seen each other. We don't know who's starting for the Marlins and they haven't seen steel very much. So this, this will be a game that, you think you think that it'll be all right here? The only one that's seen him is Jacob Stallings. He's only had four at bats against him, so they're both teams are unfamiliar with. Well, I can't say that because I don't know who's pitching for the Marlins, but see what happens. Um, again, this isn't a dynamite team that we're facing. Uh, no, but this is an opportunity, Crowley. This is an opportunity to get back home, entertain the home fans, the paying customer who shows up. Hopefully. Hap and Contreras get going again. Um, hopefully, Nico Horner gets going again. And good, bad, or indifferent, I need to see uh, Nick Madrigal play every day at second base during this. Don't, don't, don't tell me he needs a day off. Don't tell he's had enough time off. We as Cub fans and Cub management need to find out if Nick Madrigal can be the guy at all in this last quarter of the season of play. Well, Dustin, I'm going to tell you, this is where I'm frustrated about the trade deadline because we talked about what the plan was. First half, you're going to come in, you're going to flip a bunch of guys, and then you're going to let the young blood play. There's a lot of questions now about who goes where, who stays on this team, and who gets DFA'd and when. I don't know if Justin Steele and Adrian Sampson and Keegan Thompson – I have a feeling there may be a pitch count. So you're not going to get rid of uh, Miley or Smiley. So you may see those guys get shut down and Miley and Smiley who didn't get traded stay. But I, I, we talked about Ian Happ and my concern about the value never being higher. And the one thing that the Cubs have a glutton of in their system are outfielders. And that was what I was looking forward to is, okay, now we're going to see PJ Higgins and Jan Gomes. No big deal there. Uh, but I, I wanted the DH spot and the outfield spots. You got saying right. We talked about not wanting to see Hayward at all, but I wanted to start see Narciso Crook. I wanted to see Clint Frazier, Jackson Frazier. I wanted to see Nelson Velasquez. I wanted to see all those guys get a ton of starts. And now with Ian Happen left, 
you're blocking all those guys and there's nothing you can do. Uh, you don't, you don't want to lose Chris Morrell. You don't want him to lose at bats. So yep. you're saying you want Nick magical to play second. Uh, you know, what does that do to Chris Morrell when you have other guys that, you know, do you want, how much do you want Nelson Velasquez playing center? So, so basically you have all of these Narciso Crook, Nelson Velasquez, Chris Morrell are all going to have to try to get time at center and that sucks. So center and DH. So I'm just not going to get to see the development and really get a good analysis of what these young guys can do because Hap's going to be anchored in love left. And, and so it creates a lot of problems in my book. Well, that's a great point by you. One of the guys that's not going to be getting many at bats if another Cub at bat again is David Bodie, who they sent down uh, and that was his last option. So either he will uh, be DFA or He'll hang out down there, but we've probably seen the end of Bodie at least for uh, at least for this year. And he started in uh, game one of that doubleheader. Yeah, and doubleheaders are funky. But uh, here's another one in the outfield: Rafael Ortega, 31 years old. Right. Guess we don't what? need to see we don't need to see that anymore. We right. Don't need to see that anymore. So there's a list of guys that you have to sit there and ask yourself: Rafael Ortega, Frank Schwindel, uh, Andrelton Simmons. When are these guys going to be DFA'd? Because, like I said, playing time is going to be at a premium now. All right, so we'll talk about some more playing time. As you mentioned, uh, as God wanted it to be, 120 starts. We've got Saturday afternoon, another 120 start, Crowley. Yeah, we got Drew Smiley, 3-6 and six with a 442 ERA, coming off a stinker in San Francisco. Looked good his previous other two starts, but against Pablo Lopez, 7-6, 341 ERA, 119K. So the guy throws a lot of strikeouts. Uh, but Wilson Contreras has only seen him once. Jan Gomez, has, Jan Gomez seen him 10 times, has no hits. And that's pretty much it. Uh, Drew Smiley, Jesus Aguilar, seen him eight times. He hits 500 against him. Uh, you have Jacob Stallings five times. He hits 400 against him. But other than that, once again, not that much going on as far as uh, these teams knowing each other's pitchers. Crowley, really quick, you just mentioned two guys that I want to get your uh, pulse on as far as what you want to see down the stretch since they're both still here. Jan Gomes and Wilson Contreras. How many more times do you want to see Wilson catch this year? Do you want him strictly as a DH or do you want to see if he can get better? You know, you had mentioned, I think, in the last podcast about how much the Cubs appreciate what a framer and a catcher, receiver, if you will, that Gomes is. Um, but just let's just use Saturday as an example. You know, Gomes 0 for 10 against a pitcher. So in that case, do you want Wilson catching, or would you rather have like Higgins catch and Contreras DH and keep Gomes bat out of that game altogether because of that fact? How do you, you know, you're David Ross. You're deciding how are you how are you playing these two guys down the stretch. <sighs> I wonder if I would put PJ Higgins back in Iowa, to be honest with you, and, okay. and just let him get everyday playing time. Catching every day? Catching every day, getting at bats every day. I don't want to see him just sitting on a bench. Uh, I w if it's me personally, I have Jan Gomes catching the young guys. So if it's Samson, Thompson, or Steele, I want Jan Gomes behind the plate. I don't care about offense at this point. Um, if it's uh, Smiley, Miley, uh, any kind of veteran – then Wilson can catch them. But I want the young guys learning under the tutelage of Jan Gomes. All right. That takes us into uh, game three in that again, Crowley one twenty start. You can listen to all the games, of course, on six seventy. the score. What do we have right now is in the way of a, a pitching matchup. And then we'll 
know who Crowley wants behind the dish as far as catching him this week. Adrian Sampson behind the dish, 0 and 2, 374 ERA, 32 Ks. His stuff wasn't that bad. Again, the Cubs just didn't play good in San Francisco his last time out. And so hopefully, again, you know, I'm not going to get upset about one bad performance against in San Francisco on the West Coast. So I want to see Adrian Sampson bounce back and have a good game. I'd love to see him get that first win. He's taking on Jesus Luzardo, 2 and 4, 397 ERA, 4Ks, lefty. Uh, again, neither team has had much experience against the opposing pitcher. So this will be one that, like I said, I want to see an Adrian Sampson bounce back and I want to see Jan Gomes behind the plate. All right. So here's my prediction, Crowley. I'm going to, I'm going to go glass half full here, even though I have no reason to be glass half full, but is the Marlinas in town. I'm going to say the Cubs get a win on Friday. I'm going to say the Cubs get a win on Sunday and we're going to get two fly the W's before we get back here, uh, at some point on Monday to record episode number 22. I, I, I will. Ag- I agree with you, but to be contrarian again, so that we're not always picking the same thing, I'll go with the Cubbies sweep. Uh, you, you know, I'm, I'm going, I'm going the fact that they're coming home. The homecoming for Wilson and Ian is going to be electric. I think the atmosphere is going to be good. Uh, and, and, and we're not having to face any of the Marlins top tier starters. So there's no reason you don't take three here. Uh, on the social scene, there's some exciting stuff that are going on. If you're a promo guy like I am, the Bleachers, Friday, August 5th, first 5,000 fans get a neon tank top straight out of the 90s. Classic 90s, ugly neon. Looks great. We're going to see you in one of those on the next podcast, Crowley? We'll see. You get your we'll hands see. on one of those? I'll get my hands on one for sure. But uh, Saturday, August 6th, I'm going, I'm going to have to try to beat you in line for this one. The Nick ba- Magical Bobblehead first 10,000 fans. So they're going to be lining up at the gates. I may have to spend the night and try to make sure I get my place in line to, to secure one. And I say no thank you. <laughs> and a Hawaiian shirt on Sunday, August 7th, first 10,000. And I want to invite all of our listeners to Nisei Lounge, the oldest bar in Wrigleyville on Sheffield and Clark. Uh, the Bleacher Bum Band, Chicago's very own Bleacher Bum Band, will be playing a set followed by karaoke. And I'm being told that there may be some Cubs players that come in and may do some karaoke. Miguel Esparza, the voice of the Spanish Cubs, is also an Elvis impersonator. So he's going to take a couple songs from the King. So if you're a Cub fan and you just want to go catch a game and do something fun afterward, come join us. Nisei Lounge after the game on Sunday. That does sound like fun. I will be uh, in the car for 12 or 13 hours as I make my trek back from uh, Canada back to uh, the Chicagoland area on Sunday. So I'll be listening to the game on the app. Um, and uh, hopefully Crowley, it'll be right. And the Cubs will be going for a sweep in that one. And if that's the case, then uh, the lounge with the uh, lounge act will be uh, rocking and rolling. Crowley, thanks again. This was uh, fun season one episode 21 is in the books and wilson Contreras and ian Happ are still chicago cubs make sure to follow us on all our socials you can catch us on instagram at and uh twitter fly the w at 670 facebook you can find us at fly the w and email us with any of your thoughts or questions or anything you'd like to see fly the w 670 at gmail.com